Well, welcome to the Coffee House Questions Podcast. This is Ryan Polly, and thank you for joining me uh, today for another episode. Um, I just want to let you guys know that uh, I'm not going to be going over all the events, but I want to let you know that if you go to the coffeehousequestions.com website and look at the contact page, the about page, or the speaking opportunity page, then you can find uh, the calendar there that lists the events uh, that I'm going to be at. And there's a couple coming up this month in September. So make sure you check those out. But today, uh, I want to talk to you guys about two different things. One, I want to uh, answer or respond to a question that was brought up by Jeremiah. He wrote in uh, on the last podcast where we talked about inoculation rather than isolation. And he asked this question. I want to respond to it. So, Jeremiah, thank you so much for sending in uh, your question. And here's what uh, he asked. Can you walk through a little more uh, an example of this and how it would relate to high school ministry? Maybe by presenting the cosmological argument first, then exposing them to an atheist rebuttal second, and finally working through each of the objections in the rebuttal. How would you lay off uh, of that? Uh, How would you lay that out with a group of high schoolers? And uh, Jeremiah, thank you so much. What a great question uh, that is. Uh, Here are a couple ideas. One, uh, there are two podcasts that I recorded back in July. One was with Jay Warner Wallace uh, titled How to Train Students Rather Than Teach Them. The other one was with Dan Britton about how to get apologetics involved into the local church. And I think both of those interviews um, have some great content about how this looks like in a youth group. I also did a podcast on teaching the resurrection to high schoolers where I laid out exactly how I taught the resurrection to high schoolers and and did this. And then I also have a podcast on how I taught um, objective moral values to my high schoolers. And I kind of laid out an example of what that looks like. Uh, But for example, with the resurrection, one thing that I do with the resurrection is I first have my high schoolers um, think of every possible explanation that they can think of uh, about what happened to Jesus. Either he didn't exist, he did exist and he died and he resurrected, the Christian response, or the empty tomb, the missing body, the wrong tomb, um, stolen body theory. And they think up all those theories. I then present the evidence for the resurrection. I go through the historical evidence with them. And then as a class, we looked at the evidence, compared it with the theories, and the students themselves crossed off the theories that they thought the evidence contradicted. So, for example, the evidence that Jesus actually existed, well, the theory that Jesus never existed, that doesn't seem to match up very well. And with the resurrection, the students saw that the best explanation was that Jesus rose from the dead. And I did this without just telling them that's the best explanation. They came to that conclusion themselves, but they also looked at all of the kind of skeptical explanations or theories uh, for the resurrection, and they kind of threw those theories around. And so that was one way that I did it with the resurrection. But another way to do it in, in, in uh, with high schoolers in a youth group, uh, you can do atheist role play where you present uh, or you bring in someone to present um, arguments from the other side and they uh, work through those arguments. You explain it, the students ask questions, and you can dialogue, have a Q&A time with the students where they are having to um, look over that stuff and, and think through these responses. And I do this with my, in my classroom. I'll present you know, the other side and say, okay, how would you guys respond to this? And we kind of think through that together. And then one last uh, example, uh, um, this summer, uh, Brett Kunkel and I went to Utah. We, we met a team from... Uh, New York in Salt Lake City, Utah, where we trained up the students on uh, what, or he trained the students on on Mormonism 
And then we met the, this group in Utah and spent three days talking with Mormons um, at BYU, at Temple Square, and really put it into practice. And that's one thing that the uh, Jay Warner Wallace podcast talks about is um, it's important to put things on the calendar to get that practical um, exposure and and conversational aspect with students. And so I think um, a good way of presenting this, yeah, you talked about the cosmological argument. You can you can talk about the cosmological argument, explain it to students, then present a bunch of um, skeptical responses and how they uh, say the cosmological argument is flawed, and then give them some time to really work through it. How would you respond to this? And so I think that's a great way. So you're allowing students to kind of think through, um, does this make sense? And um, how would I respond? And you're there with them. And I think that's the key. You're there with them, helping them think through it. So if they get confused, uh, if they go, wow, this is such a good argument, I'm starting to believe it or whatever, you can then show them and help them see um, kind of where it breaks down. And so those are a few ideas. Um, I hope that helps. I hope that answers your question. And again, if you have any questions, uh, make sure you guys uh, are sending those in on the Coffeehouse Questions Facebook page. That is a good way to respond and, and to interact with me. Okay, getting to this, uh, the topic this week. On my blog on Monday, I talked about a, um, the difference between an argument from probability and making a positive argument from analogy. And one of those examples that I used was uh, an example that I've, I've gotten into conversations over the last week and a half with atheists on Twitter um, and on Facebook discussing this concept of consciousness and this idea of what is consciousness and where did it come from. And my argument is that consciousness is best explained by God, that the fact that we are conscious thinking beings means that God exists. And if God did not exist, then consciousness uh, would not exist. So the fact that we can even think and reason and make an argument is evidence that there's a God. Now, the quick response that I get to this is no one knows where consciousness comes from. Uh, you're just saying that God did it and it's an argument from ignorance. But I want to present a few things that I found online in the last week and a half um, from some research that I was doing on this and show that, no, I don't think that this is an argument from evidence, but I think that there's good reason to believe that a naturalistic view of the world, that only material things exist, cannot produce consciousness. So the first thing that I normally bring up is Daniel Dennett. Daniel Dennett is one of the famous new atheists. And he has a video on YouTube uh, made by Big Think called Daniel Dennett Explains Consciousness and Free Will. And here he relates and talks about consciousness as that consciousness is a bunch of tricks in the brain. And he relates this to stage magic. And he says, it's not like real magic where stuff is happening, but this is like stage magic where, you know, the magic trick, it's not really magic. It's a bunch of tricks. It's an illusion. It makes it look like something is happening, but it's really not. And so here Daniel Dennett is saying, hey, consciousness is just a bunch of tricks in the brain. It's an illusion. It's not really there. Now, another view from an atheist is Sam Harris. Now, Sam Harris is a philosopher and a neuroscientist and one of the, again, one of the very popular new atheists. And he takes a different view than Daniel Dennett. He does believe that consciousness is real. And I want to read uh, a little bit from one of, or two of Sam Harris's articles that he wrote. And you can find these there at samharris.org. And I believe it's .org. Yeah, samharris.org. And they're called The Mystery of Consciousness, part one and then part two. And I want to read a few parts of this uh, article to you. 
So he starts off in The Mystery of Consciousness, and here's what he says. You are not aware of the electro electrochemical events occurring at each of the trillion synapses in your brain at this moment, but you are aware, however dimly, of slight sounds, sensations, thoughts, and moods. At the level of your experience, you are not a body of cells, organelles, and atoms. You are conscious, your consciousness and its ever-changing contents passing through various stages of wakefulness and sleep from the cradle to the grave. The term consciousness is notoriously difficult to define. Consequently, many a debate about its character has been waged without the participants finding even a common topic as a common ground. By consciousness, I mean simply sentience in the most ordained sense, end quote. So here he's talking about, hey, we are conscious beings. He goes on to say, consciousness is the one thing in the universe that cannot be an illusion. The problem, however, he says, is that no evidence for consciousness exists in the physical world. Now, I think that that's important, and I'm going to go on and read a few more quotes from him here in a little bit. But when I talk about that consciousness is evidence for God, it's not that I don't know where it came from, and so it must be God. No, instead, there are certain characteristics of consciousness that point to a God because there's no evidence for it in the physical world, and the physical world can't produce it. Sam Harris goes on, and he says this, Most scientists are confident that consciousness emerges from unconscious complexity. We have compelling reasons for believing this, because the only signs of consciousness we see in the universe are found in evolved organisms like ourselves. Nevertheless, this notion of emergence strikes me as nothing more than a restatement of a miracle. To say that consciousness emerged at some point in the evolution of life doesn't give us an inkling of how it could emerge from unconscious processes, even in principle. So I think that that is huge, where he says here that it's very complex. Many people believe that it comes, that, that consciousness comes from unconscious complexity, but he says, the, the notion of emergence strikes me as nothing more than the restatement of a miracle. Fascinating to say that, no, it's, this, this can't make sense. It, it doesn't even show us how this process could even be possible. And just to kind of wrap up this part of, of this article, he says, an analysis of purely physical processes will never yield a picture of consciousness. Nothing about the brain studied at any scale, spatial or temporal, even suggests that it might harbor consciousness. So I think here's a few quotes from these two articles that Sam Harris wrote, saying, look, consciousness is real, consciousness exists, but nothing in the brain could suggest that it harbors consciousness. Purely physical processes will never yield a, a picture of consciousness. And so I think it's it's we're able to say, look, it's not that we just haven't found a natural explanation for this, but rather what he says is that it will never, we will never create a picture for this. And so when you look at the characteristics that this consciousness is an immaterial part of us, it's not physical, the physical world cannot explain it, but it does exist. The best explanation is that there is an immaterial reality, an immaterial being that is able to produce consciousness, and that is why we have it. And so I think, again, the best explanation is the Christian worldview that says we are conscious beings with a mind, we are created in the image of God, that there is this immaterial part of us, our soul, 
that produces our intelligence, our intellect, our will, and our emotions. And that makes the most sense out of the world. Because this thing, it's not that we haven't found a physical process, but as Sam Harris says, a purely physical process will never yield a picture of consciousness. So I think that leaves us with concluding the best explanation for consciousness is that there really is a God. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Coffee House Questions podcast. Again, I want to encourage you, go check out the website, see the events that are coming up, the Rethink Conference, the Engage Conference, uh, are the two ones that are here in the September. And uh, I'll be looking forward to talking with you guys next week. Remember, the live recording of this is on Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Like the Coffee House Questions page. Send me your questions. It's been awesome talking with you guys this week. Have a wonderful rest of your day. This is Ryan Polly with Coffee House Questions. Guide my way.